Welcome to the Little Red Podcast, which brings you China from beyond the Beijing Beltway. I'm Grant Smith from the Australian National University's Department of Pacific Affairs, and I'm joined by my co-host, Louisa Lin, former China correspondent for the BBC and NPR, now with the Centre for Advancing Journalism at Melbourne University. We're on air thanks to support from the Australian Centre on China and the World. Stand-up comedy is becoming serious business in China, both from an economic point of view and a political one. In 2016, a stand-up show called Roast Convention began airing. Its first season got two billion views. It seemed like stand-up was the new hot thing, but in May 2023, a comedian called Li Haoshi made a joke about his two dogs and a squirrel, which satirized a slogan used by President Xi Jinping. The club was fined two million dollars, and Lee was cancelled. No joke. But this week we're joined by three stand-up Chinese comedians to talk about their business. Barbie is based in London, and she's a founding member of a stand-up collective called Fifty Shades of Feminism. We're also joined by Elena, who's also a member of that collective, and He Huang, who's based here in Australia. First up, He Huang, you were on、um, this Australian show called、uh, Australia's Got Talent on this、uh, Channel Seven, one of the commercial networks.、Um, maybe we'll have a listen to that clip to get us started. As you can tell from my outfit, that、uh, I was made in China. <laughs> yes,、uh, I left China about three years ago because I feel pathetic. Yes, people are really judgmental.、Uh, if you're like me, over the age of 27, not dating or not married in China, you'll be called leftover ladies.、Oh. I know it is brutal, <laughs> but I love leftovers. <laughs> Come on, who doesn't love Chinese leftovers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Thank you. <laughs> We are yummy and cheap. <laughs> That is my Tinder bio. Chinese leftover, yummy. Just take me home and eat me. <laughs> Now the judges went absolutely, absolutely mad for you. Do you think it expects audience expectations, or does it confound audience expectations when a Chinese woman talks publicly about sex? Um, I mean, it's not my first time doing this. I think it's fine. And nobody tells me no,、uh, and even not my parents.、So、I'm fine. What do what the, what do the parents have to say? Are they、uh, are they on board, or are they、uh, do they just keep it to themselves? Um, I don't think they understand. I I don't think talking sex is a part of Chinese tradition in the family. So if they don't understand English, that's fine. But I think my family are very supportive of me doing comedy now. Was that always the way? Like when you first started out, were they kind of what are you doing? No, I think they just thought it's a hobby. Yeah, it was a hobby. Yeah, and then become serious, so they just get confused.、Um, yeah, but I grew up with the family parents like very encouraging.、Um, so that's why I do this kind of things. It's like they encourage me from early in my childhood to try different stuff, and I think. Um, they didn't stop me, and then they just didn't expect to be this big. Now, like、uh, this year, they still think like, "Wow, why are you doing this?" But then there, there's nothing they can do. 
to stop me. Yeah. I, I just want to know whether you guys are also sort of confounding, subverting expectation with your comedy. Maybe, uh, Eleanor. Yeah, I think like, uh, uh, actually my family, they, uh, don't really know I'm doing like stand up comedy shows right now. I sent some pictures to my mom, but uh, I think he, she might thought like uh, this is kind of like TED talk or something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> so actually like when I was uh, like a little girl, I was described to be like very obedient, like uh, uh, and quiet and shy. So yeah, so this is probably if they know what I'm doing right now, and if, if they know I'm also like talking about my dating experience, um, like in public, they might be like very shocking. <laughs> And what about you, Barbie? Well, I do find um, most things when we talk about sex is a little bit about sexualization of women body. Every heterosexual man in the world would like to hear a lady talking about sex in front of them, uh, right? But my audience is ladies and non-binary. We don't welcome heterosexual men. So... I personally don't feel comfortable talking about sex. Cause, and also I've gone to other comedian, comedy shows and they talk about sex and I feel like they're too much about penis and too little about vagina. <laughs> I agree, I agree. There's, it's really rare that you hear anyone talking about vulvas or vaginas in public. Yeah, and um, if I talk about sex, I would mock about Chinese men, they are not very good at leaking vagina that kind of thing. And uh, when, the when my audience is um, ladies and non-binary only, I would feel more comfortable. Yeah. And um, I, I believe half of the topic we're talking about is a little bit more political and also about sharing our experience about period. Uh, I remember uh, one of us was talking about um, you know this uh, period cup where you, uh, some ladies might be used for uh, might be using them when they're on period, and she's sharing this, this experience how difficult it is to. I think we call it a moon cup. Uh, okay. A, a moon cup, yeah. You insert it and it collects the blood, right? Yeah, because we are doing uh, we are doing comedy uh, show in Mandarin because we feel like it would it would empower ourselves the most. So yeah, she's talking about how difficult it is to get rid of it. When she's on hike, uh, when she's hiking, yeah, and she's pretty struggling to get it out. Our topic is, is more about ourselves and the importance. The the importance is about ourselves. It's not to please the audience. Yeah, and uh, my parents have no idea what I'm doing. And I mean, one of the most famous comedy moments in in Chinese history, um, and uh, on a sort of a feminist spectrum, would be um, Young Lee when she appeared on this uh, show called Rock and Roast and and asked the question that women have been asking for millennia: is how how do these incredibly average guys have such immense self confidence? Um, I'll just quickly play uh, play that clip. I'm sure you all know it. Maybe we can just explain what she was saying. I mean, she was saying, why is it that men, Putong, is just so average? They think of themselves as being uh, so special. And I mean, this, to give a bit more background to it, this clip provoked a huge backlash from male netizens and it even led to one of her companies um, stopping sponsoring her. Intel dropped her 
after all the netizens said, this is terrible, you know, we'll never buy a computer from you guys again. And she, she was actually like receiving death threats because she talked about these stuff and it's just crazy. I think she's the Chinese version of Hannah Gatsby. And the net came out. She got a lot of death threats as well as a female comic who identified gay and not, you know, going with the male patriarchy. And um, I think she was talking about that on the podcast, how she gets a lot of death threats, like similar to Yang Li's uh, situation. But just like the sheer amount, sheer volume of death threats she gets because China is such a big country, right? And uh, it's definitely much more uh, overwhelming and, than Hannah Gatsby. Eleanor, I, I know you've said that you see stand-up comedy as a form of rebellion, um, both against the state and against society. Could you maybe explain why, why that is? Yeah, I actually like think a lot about it because like, you know, like girls in China, especially actually not only in China, in the whole like East Asian society, we are like uh, obeying. Guai in Chinese is like uh, being obeying and uh, like listening to others and be caring. And uh, that's like the social uh, expectation for women. Like from my own experience as a child, as a, like a, a little girl, I was like expected to be uh, clever and smart and uh, like uh, extrovert at some times. So uh, I found it's like quite um, interesting to draw the, draw the line. Like you should be quiet, but not too shy. You should be like uh, in entertaining, like to uh, the adults. Like when you are like a child, you should be like a funny, cute little child, but like uh, not too rebellious. So like uh, the, everything is like there's a standard set up for us, and you cannot like uh, jump out of the standard. And uh, stand-up comedy is actually totally out of the standards because like we are telling our own stories, our own feelings, and we are not like telling them to please like uh, uh, the audience. For, uh, so like uh, in other sense, like if we are, we are children, we are not like saying things or like uh, performing things to please the uh, adults. Like the adults like in the children's world is like the ruling party, like in the adults world. So like the uh, hierarchy is like quite similar. And uh, stand-up com- comedy is actually like very rebellious to me because like we jump jump out of the like uh, uh, the expe- expectations for us. I just want to go back to that moment that Graham just played um and I think one of you Hoang you said it was like Hannah Gadsby and Barbie you said you guys were doing workshops around this the reason that we I established this thing is because I saw some clips from um a New York comedy club called New Zhuyi and I think oh this is great and that's why I've established this and after the first show, and I contact them and say, oh, we are not really professional and we want to um, have more knowledge about this. And they, they are very friendly. And um, we co-hosted this workshop online. And also he's, they've got some scripts and some handout, something like lecture notes about how to uh, perform a um, stand-up comedian show, like talk show. And, and in this piece of work, in this kind of lecture notes, there is a piece of work from Yang Li, like men, men is so, well, men are generally so ordinary and so confident. Yeah, and the, they were saying like, there's a structure of a piece of, like a sentence or a line in comedy. And the topic is like, could be something like gender equality or man's ignorance. 
and uh, her attitude is like she's fed up with it. And eventually, the line is like, "He's so like man is so ordinary and so confident." Um, and we all share like usually the ladies in China would <laughs> would have similar feeling with us. It's about honest, being honest, and speak out our own feelings. And it strikes me that you're doing comedy to quite different audiences. That Eleanor and Barbie are really targeting an audience of because you're doing it in Mandarin for Chinese speakers overseas. Whilst He Huang, you're doing it in English, aren't you?、Uh, in Australia and elsewhere. I mean, you know, how does your audience react, He Huang? What kind of jokes do you or stories do you tell? I think my perspective might be a little bit different from. Bobby, I think、um, my priority still is to be a comedian first, which means I have to make a joke first.、Um, not everything can be made into a joke. If you are like talking about techniques of writing a joke, a lot of the things we experience like depend on the audience. It's、uh, there one famous thing that's like misery only shared. And it's very relatable, and then that's where your audience can laugh because you have the shared emotions. So I think a lot of my stuff, because my background being Chinese, being woman, and not Chinese Australian, it's actually Chinese from China. A lot of the stuff I know, like, cannot be expressed in English, and then it's just like because the setup is gonna be so long, so I need to find those emotions can drive us together. So I think that's where I、um, tweak. My jokes about so it's not only about sex or women. It's other stuff like my general upset about my family and、uh, cultural difference. And、uh, because I do full time comedy now, so I don't really have a job. <laughs> my job is doing comedy. Um, so a lot, a little bit about that traveling and stuff. And、uh, yeah, I think it's like that's the general topic I'm going for for English audience. Yeah, yeah. So like my takeaway about the backlash because I know like uh, her is also like、uh, getting a lot of backlash like online after her jokes like during the COVID, uh, period. I think like it's a similar situation as like Yang Li, because like uh, uh you just like、uh, can take away from it. It's it's very easy for Chinese to get triggered. And、uh, that's why uh, I think that's why like、uh, me and Barbie's like our uh. Comedy club is like a, a so far is still very small, and our audience is like a, a the target group is also very small, and we are all female and Chinese, and I think like uh to a very uh big uh a great ex- extent we are also sharing the same like political views, so that's why like it's a safe place for us to like talk about like whatever we want, and if we are like doing something like bigger like a he is doing right now, and if we are like putting our videos online or like having more audience. Like um, we will like trigger a lot of people as well, and uh, uh, that's when we cannot like just speak up like us right now. So I think the backlash just uh yeah is like uh, targeting like uh, the more famous stand-up comedian. Do you want to talk a bit、huh, about your experience um talking about COVID and what happened? Um, not only about the COVID things, like the whole experience. I think make me grow. I will have my special taping next year, so you will see my whole comment about that、uh, for an hour. So you'll be fine.、Um, but the whole things, I think, like to simply put in a way, like 
um, first I learned about online triggering, like online comments, uh, like the hostility against female comedians. And um, it's not uncommon. That's what I learned, especially for people of color and you're female. It's a lot of hate on the internet. If you are just a minority and the female comedians, um, you just get the, automatically you attract a lot of people saying you're not funny. You're just using this to get, you know, um, you know, on, online publicity. And another thing I realized because I didn't, um, I'm not an influencer <laughs> to start with the the whole, you know, building up your online profile like a lot of my other friends. So they experienced a lot of that. I learned from them, like how they cope with it. Like they're minority female comedians as well. They get a lot of hatred from their own community as well. And especially the conservative communities. And another thing I learned is like, yes, I think Chinese become more and more extreme, especially the online content and then comments. And I, cause I know a lot of my friends around my like friend circle, they're Chinese. They have nothing against me for those clips. They are just, you know, the silenced majority. So whatever is going on on the internet, it's extreme and it's pathetic and it's very, very dangerous now. So I, when I, after I experienced, I learned about all this, I think I feel better. But when I first got those online um, like hate comments, I was confused and it's hurt. But now I'm just like, if you want to hurt me, like I'm that kind of comedian. If you wanted to heckle me, I will make sure you're crushed. Like I would just go back harder. Like I used to hold back a little bit and now I don't want to hold back anymore. It's like, okay, if you think this is the worst you can get, I can go harder than you thought. Um, that's how I think comedians, like female comedians have to do to deal with. This is unfortunately, it's like a patriarchic society. Like, the majority of people think, man, they'll have the bigger saying. So being a female comic, you have to be like really harsh to comment back. You cannot be like soft and I'm sorry and this and that. And then I think that's one thing. Yeah, learn and deal with those comments. Maybe just to explain a bit more about um, the model that, that you guys are doing with the collective. Um, I saw this and what you're inspired by. I saw this amazing clip um, from a comedy group in New York. Um, that was parodying Xin Wen Lianbo. And I'm possibly traumatized because I watched way too much Xin Wen Lianbo when I was learning Chinese. But one of the funniest skits I've ever come across is this parody newsreader routine where they talk about the state of women in China using the whole Xin Wen Lianbo language. And Xin Wen Lianbo, can you just explain what Xin Wen Lianbo is? Xin Wen Lianbo is like the, the nightly news in China, this sort of dreadfully boring um, half an hour of what the leaders have done today or these days what Xi Jinping has done today. Um, I'll just quickly play, uh, play that clip. <笑>从过去的妇女能顶半偏天 
到将来的妇女虽然能上天，也只能上一会儿天。<laughs> so in that, they're they're parodying、um, sort of official state praise for this movie called Wandering Earth Two, and talking about the、uh, the status of women and、um, and how how far it's going to fall in the future. But this kind of comedy obviously couldn't be done in China.、Um, I mean, how much does this model free you up? I guess to to discuss pretty well everything. The reason I found it fictitious of feminism. Because I saw the sim, like like something like the clip you just showed, the clips from New Zealand, and、uh, I don't know if you know this、uh, podcast, the Chinese podcast、uh, run by Yuan Li. She's got this Bu Ming Bai book, like, and they inter. Yeah, she. So Yuan Li went to New York and listened to this show and recorded an hour's podcast for their comedy shows. And I'm a big fan of this lady called Nancy. I feel like my style is similar to Nancy's style. Uh, yeah, and some of the clips are really hilarious, and everyone's got different styles. And actually, our performance is pretty similar to Nizhuzhui now. Like everyone's got different topic, and everyone's in different style. And some、um, some performances are pretty moving, and some of them are so hilarious. Like you, you just don't know. Like probably when they are writing up this, their script, they didn't expect people would laugh about this part. They are planning like for the audience to laugh about maybe the other part. So it's just、uh, chaotically fun. So yeah, basically when I see the clips in、um, of the comedy shows、um, on Instagram by Yu Zhuyi, I feel like this is the type of comedy show I wanna do. But it's a it's something like it's like holding a hosting a party for all the ladies without misogyny in it, and a, also a safe space. Elena. Yeah, I also think like uh, uh, these kinds of like、uh, collectives and. Communities are like very important for like a diasporic Chinese like overseas because like nowadays like the space for us to express ourselves is extremely limited. You know like even online when we are like writing some comments or like posting something like we need to use like signs or like a, a substitutes for some words to avoid the censorship. So like having a space like overseas, like without censorship and surveillance, and like we can actually say whatever we want, like on stage in public, is super important for us. And I think like it's、uh, almost like in- impossible like within China right now. And we actually had this privilege to do it abroad, and I think it's like very empowering. This collective is one of many、um, that sprung up after the white paper protests last year. I mean, what sort of influence are you having back in China? Given that the one thing an autocracy fears is being laughed at and being made to look absurd. I mean, do you think your comedy is influence having an influence back in China? Actually, like a.、Uh, uh... I don't think so because like our collectives are still like very small and、uh, is、uh, only based in London, and、uh, like、uh, I think beyond our like、uh, friend zone, it's actually、uh, not many people know about us, and I think I think like it's actually、uh, good for us because it's safer.、Uh, but I think like、uh, stand up com- comedy like、uh, as a whole whole thing actually、uh, definitely has some like influence. Over Chinese because like、uh, even like on stage like、uh, in the、um, shows like、uh, the television shows about stand up comedies in China they are still have some like political political views in a very subtle ways, so it is definitely influencing some people. I, I have a question about the sort of fragility of audiences and maybe for you, Ha Huang, about the fragility of male audiences. I mean, do you think it's getting worse and why? Um, if you say come to my show, like my solo show, mostly are 
I have a lot of female audience in the crowd, the LGBT group. A lot of my fans are like that. Um, for males, I think if I do like regular gigs, they are fine, but I don't think they are really show they're an upset. I think online you can see like there's a lot of marginalized male perspective and then they, they kind of get out. My friends around me, maybe like because of self-selection stuff, they are pretty nice and um thoughtful like comedy has become much better like in terms of uh you hang out at the green room or open mic or doing random gigs the male comics much more well behaved than before it was much worse and um but audience wise too i don't think they change but they know what to say what not to say maybe they just vent vent it out on the internet but there is like you can say that more and more women are become outspoken and uh, i think it, any sense any kind of change of the order is going to create some chaos and panic that's what i'm thinking and um especially i don't think a lot of male doesn't like to see a strong female especially asian we're supposed to do your nails give you a massage and talking about shit <laughs> about you on the stage i think that's a lot of white male, I can tell that like, they don't feel comfortable, but I don't give a fuck about that. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I never give a fuck about the audience, like in terms of how they think who I am. I just care about if they laugh or not. I mean, it is a real problem, isn't it? This kind of Susie Wong idea that not just white men, but in general, you know, the West, the stereotype of how Chinese women should behave. How have you dealt with that? Uh, um, I think I'm a blessed on that front because like I don't really care. It's not wired in my brain. I don't really care how other people think of me, but I do know all the other female comics I know of. They got bullied, like online bullying, and uh, it's 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 really still a hostile environment for female comics to do anything. Like if a male comics is ugly but funny. He can give so many like praise and he can get one thing is like if you are a little bit funnier male comics your partner or your there's so many girls going after you but if you are funny but strong and then your persona on the stage is strong there's no like you see like the partners we're getting is really bad like the quality <laughs> of our dating or mating kind of um, choice is very limited. So that says a lot about this dynamic between like female comics being strong and funny and male comics being just a little bit funny. And they would get so much like ladies or like choices and praise. That's where they are used to. That's why you see so many. I was like uh, Chinese guys or like uh, white, straight white guys too. Like they're so average and so confident. They're almost the same. Yeah. <laughs> the vibe, I mean, not the look. Say hello. Yeah, I just want to add a little bit about the like a fr fragile thing about like men and also like the backlash. I think like a. Uh, like within China, I think like the men's like a fragility is actually also influenced by the state narratives, because like the state is kind of creating uh, this stereotype for women, and when like they are feminists like uh, acting and uh, speaking up, they are like uh, calling us to be like the extreme feminists, you know, like uh, the 警惕极端女权. 
like uh, it it was actually like uh, said like uh, posted by a uh, like a uh, state account on Weibo, and uh, it was like uh, it's just crazy, and uh, like men are just they are excited about it. It's like uh, saying like the state is like uh, standing up for them and uh, like uh, backing them up, so they have like more reasons to like uh, show backlash towards feminists and any like a uh, women's movement or like uh, awakening. Uh, it's also like part of the. So-called Asian traditional family values, yeah. like how the Confucius parents values the son, mm-hmm. because that's they carry their last name. Because I'm the eldest in my family, my mm-hmm. my dad is the eldest son, so my mom is always upset about my grandpa because like she thinks my grandpa thinks I'm not a a son. That's why they have like this constant fight between them, mm-hmm. and I think. There's the, like that kind of societal value placed being a guy or a boy in your family. You just get automatically like my cousin is shit, but he gets a lot of love for being how shit. Same in my family. Um, yeah, so it's like it's that's why you have ordinary guys and being confident because mm-hmm. they're getting fed with all the false information, and then they have yeah. a they live in the vacuum like how good they are, but then mm-hmm. they are not, and yeah. but they are not. And also the worst situation is because like China placed so much emphasis on education, like, mm-hmm. you know, the cram kind of school exams and education. So all the men are literally doing nothing outside of school, but they still think they're the best. They don't know how to yeah. fix the household. Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong, they don't know. They don't have a hobby outside of the school. Mm-hmm. It's so pathetic. And they don't even have like emotional the education about how to express themselves, how to date other girls, how to respect, because none of those kids were educated at school, at home. Mm-hmm. So that's where you can see a generation of monsters and who think they are very extraordinary um, growing up yeah. in China. That's why it's 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 like, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's very sad and surreal of this yeah. like gender dynamics in China. And I can mm-hmm. tell... I can know why, but um, I I just do I just grew up in '90s, so my generation I think is less surreal because we still have those kind of interesting extra uh like outside the outside classrooms kind of education and then a little bit you know gender education. So I think mm-hmm. uh, yes, I think my generation is alright, but it's like become one week stream like a well protected you cannot do this just study just study you're the best you're the best don't do anything become fat and you're the best i'm like <laughs> i'm just like surprised by how um when i go back to china this time like how like little women expect chinese men to do like i'm just so amazed it is a very narrow path that Chinese women have to tread, isn't it? Because you have to be clever, but not too clever. Funny, but not too funny. Yeah, you, know, you have to tread yeah. the line. Like, oh my God, it feels mm-hmm. like a comedian too. It's like, you yeah. have to be funny, but don't let the audience know. But you have to be like yeah. taking control of the stage, but don't let the audience know. It's like yeah. that kind of um, life they have to deal with. But then mm-hmm. they keep telling themselves, um, oh, we're ordinary. Like, you're not here. Like, actually, you are really much better than my dad like yeah. you know, like yeah. but they, they don't think that way they were like oh we need mm-hmm. to do something like we need to take care of you and your dad and then your family met your dad's family and this and that just that if you standing from a um, western perspective it's a lot to ask to all the chinese like, especially my mom's generation right like they they just get used to it kind of yeah, expectations think, yeah chinese women are like constantly gaslighted since our childhood 
And I just found out when I like came to UK, and I was like so devastated because I found out like how I was treated through the over the years, like in China. Yeah, just sad. Talk about that. What do you mean when you say gaslighted? I think it's the like、uh, the tradition of like women and especially girls are always like disencouraged and like we are always like told we are not good enough. And we actually,、uh, but it's very tricky because like we are the like only child、uh, generation. So like uh, actually uh, in the surface, it seems like we already have gender equality because like、uh, each family can only have one child. So even if you are having girl, you can only expect the girl to be the best. But like when we are like expected to be like、uh, very good at school and like at work and at everything, but at a certain age, we are expected to like.、Uh, Into the domestic life and have families and have children and all the expectations and all the like、uh, efforts you put into for your life before, they are just like diminished. Like、uh, all they ask for you now is just to be a good mother, be a good wife. That's why I think like the gender equality was like still on the surface, like in China, and we never had real gender equality because like women are still like a how do you say that, like like subjective position. Because like we are always like belonging to something, and we are always like under some kind of like hierarchies. Like we are supposed to like please the ruling hierarchies. We are supposed to please the men, and we are never allowed to have like ourselves. And uh, yeah, and uh, I think like stand-up comedians are actually breaking this standard because like uh, we are entertaining ourselves, and、uh, we are not entertaining for the audience. We are not entertaining for the men. And I mean, one thing I'm really struck by is when we're having、um, this sort of chat about the show during the week.、Um, one of the one of our crew pointed out that Chinese men are incredibly ordinary, but there are also these white guys in China who go there, and the the, the nickname for them is LBH, loser back home.、Uh, and then they go to China, and suddenly they're like in this paradise where you know women are throwing themselves at them and and are behaving in a totally different way to what they're used to back home. I mean, is is that a subject for parody in any of your shows? Because it just seems to me that the, this is almost another level of of putong of ordinary. Yeah, I think that's because like Chinese are like extremely racist. It's actually very bad, but I think like white guys are like getting a lot of like more than what they deserved, like in China. Because like we think like the Western world and like the Western civilization is like、uh, better than us, so when like white people come like to our country, we think like they are also like, yeah, we kind of look up to them, and、uh, yeah, I think it's just not right. Yeah, I agree with you. That's、uh, recently I was watching this、um, trend on TikTok. It's called Passport Bro. I'm not sure you guys heard about it or not. No, please, please explain. <laughs> well, you can just search on TikTok. It's a lot of discussion. I think it triggers a lot of feminism to talk in the West as well. So basically, because of COVID, but before that, people don't know. But because of COVID, and you get a lot of like a nomadic workforce. They can work anywhere in the world, and、uh, some of those like、um, less, what is called less achieved or like a younger generation of、um, Westerners that go to Asia now. And then they're finding those Asian women are very subservient and then very obedient. And then they do house chores 
and compared to the so-called empowered Western women. So they prefer them and then they feel like they're treated as a god. And then they can, they didn't know the passport, their passport can be tickets to the meals. So they are promoting this kind of idea in the West on TikTok, like passport bros and um, let's go together, go to Thailand, go to Philippines. Um, to get a wife and their women are much better and then they're so cute they're so hot and then they do the house chores so there's there's like a discussion in the west about how western women just hate this kind of guys like it's all you were just like um bring the patriarchy and um and the racism to the asian countries but they didn't know this this kind of phenomenon exists for a long time i think yeah. it's less worse in china much worse in the South Asian country, Southeast Asian mm-hmm. country, uh, like Thailand. It's it's mm. it's insane how, yeah. to see how those like yeah. I I just don't I just don't feel comfortable whenever I see that kind of like super fat white guy old with a small tiny petite Southeast Asian girl as their girlfriend or wife mm-hmm. walking together. I'm like you. That's disgusting. Um, but in China, I I. I don't like foreigners in China. I don't know. Like I, I never be friends with them when I grew up there. And then in my uni, I just don't think, I think it's like the Western country has so much emphasis to learn English when we go to study yeah. overseas. And then the Chinese government on the one hand is so hypocritic, like, oh my God, we hate the Western countries. And on the other hand, they don't have higher standards for the entries yeah. of the foreigners to learn Chinese. So a lot mm-hmm. of the foreigners I know, they don't even speak Chinese when they live in China for like decades. I'm curious about Chinese male comedians because um, the reaction to Young Lee was just so extraordinary. I mean, you had this law professor coming out and saying of of Young Lee, um, oh, yeah, we might be ordinary, but without makeup, you're probably really ugly. I mean, this is a law professor. Are there any Chinese male comedians bucking the trend and saying, yeah, we Chinese men are pretty ordinary and sending themselves up are there is that is that happening at all i can't remember any i doubt it will happen though because there's no gender education i think that's a problem in china they the man does not raise to respect women to know there's a boundary we don't even like i grew up we don't have sex education i'm not sure how you guys um you know because you look younger than me no we never had it even in biology class no yeah so it's it's that kind of idea if you don't raised to respect women and you always fed with the information you're the best i doubt they will do anything that think they're not the best i agree with you like the people the men in china they are pretty rubbish and shit and um but the, even for the men here i mean you know i had this conversation with my mom and yeah my mom was like oh so you think in britain it's a lot better than it is in china i was like well the whole world is covered by a net of penis and some some area it's got more density of penis and some area it's got less density but still not perfect so you even just look at the gender pay gap and uh, the best place is iceland and the gender pay that pay gap in there is still 0.9 so it's not still it's still not perfect and myself myself and lots of my friends they have experienced sexual harassment here and street harassment and and if you go to the police of uh, police station to report it it's just so much hassle just so much hassle to get it done and uh, most of my friends and colleagues who had experienced sexual harassment at work they ended up leaving the company no matter how it was treated 
I'm just against the whole patriarchy, and there's no country for women. I agree with you. Gender like landscapes like this. Yeah, I once had a, a friend saying that like going back to Asia and staying in UK is like making a choice between、uh, sexism and racism, and、uh, yeah, that is just so true.、Mm. Now, just a final question, because this is how Louisa loves to finish an episode. Is like looking forward, say five, ten years. Like, where do you see the stand-up comedy scene,、um, both among the diaspora and also back in China? Like, do you think after the crackdown, stand-up can survive in China? I actually, I'm not very positive on this. I think as long as like the political environment in China stays like this, we cannot have like a freedom of speech and.、Uh, Anything like a freedom of like a、uh, creation, and art, and、uh, yeah, that is so sad. And、uh, I think the surveillance and the censorship will just get like uh, uh, worse and worse. And、uh, probably we can only like、uh, count on the overseas stand-up comedians and、uh, the communities. Yes, because like at least we have some extent of freedom here, and.、Uh, I hope, like, uh, uh, probably in the future years, like,、uh, ordinary people, like Chinese people, can perform and can like、uh, watch stand-up comedians, like in Chinese, in our mother languages, like in like uh, uh, if not in China, in like other countries. Yeah, because like、uh, mother language is so important to us because like uh, um, we feel like more comfortable expressing like in our mother tongue sometimes. So I don't want us to lose this opportunity because of the state censorship and the surveillance, and、uh, yeah, that that is just my hope. Um, I don't know. It's it's already really bad now. Um, just see how worse it can go. Look at the entertainment industry now in China. It's just like you cannot create anything critical, even the you know ghost is banned. Um, LGBT. Thing like the mention of it's banned. It's a lot of things are banned. Like you, that's the reason I got out of China to like、um, three years ago. It's not because I'm leftover. I mean, part of that's reason. But the most important things you feel because I I I left China to the U.S. to study two thousand thirteen, and um you. And I did my uni in Beijing, so it was like very open when I was there. So it's so different when I got back two thousand eighteen, and、uh, you just to see how suffocating the environment is already, and、um, and I don't think that's the environment. Even though like I'm not political comedian, but the idea of censorship on comedy it's just detrimental to the performance, the the format itself. That was like there's there there's no way this gonna be good for comedy,、um, yeah. And I was right about it. Now I just don't know how worse it can go, and、um, it is really sad to see a, a a country full of creatives but cannot create anymore. So I mean, but you know that's a it's it's a beauty about、um, people who are really passionate about it. We always find a way to express that. You know, we we have、um, you guys doing that in London, in New York City. That's like、um, it's a big movement. You can start like doing all the diaspora work for Chinese on Chinese behalf, and then they give a lot of space to people in Taiwan to create a lot of stuff. Because now all the freedom and all the creative, all the money goes to Taiwan. They're creating a lot of good stuff right now on Netflix independently. So I think. Um, as a big, you know, cultural identity, I think Chinese being speak that kind of language 
it still can go somewhere, but I'm just not sure in about five years will be that much of work in China, which is really sad. Yeah. Barbara, you look like you have a final word there. Yeah. Um, basically, I'm, I'm still not sure because there are so many, so, much, so many uncertainties in China. Say one year ago, uh, well, one or two years ago, who would know white paper revolution would happen? Um, and also, to be honest, um, three of us, Elena, Huanghe, and me, we are pretty privileged, to be honest. And um, most people in China, they are like, they work really hard. They don't have time to even to look at um, Weibo, like Chinese Twitter. And even the audience of the stand-up com- uh, comedy is pretty, are pretty privileged. We can't really do everything, but we can do small things. Maybe someone... Uh, who came to our comedy show? I'll go to I'll go to Huanghe's gigs, and they uh, they're inspired, and maybe they go back to China and do things secretly. But I hope they are safe, doing things secretly, like some kind of secret comedy show, uh, in the basement of a I don't know, of a secret gay bar or a lesbian bar. Yeah, there's still English stand up in China. I went back mm-hmm. two months ago, but it's very um very controlled. But, you know, as I said, like white paper revolution movement, nobody thought about that. And also, it's to see how the economy can get. I don't know where, where, where or when it's the, what triggers could be the turning point. All right. We might leave it there in a slightly depressing place. But um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. That was a really amazing conversation. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to the Little Red Podcast, bringing you China from beyond the Beijing Beltway. Many thanks to our guests and to my co-host, Louisa Lin. We're on air since this brought from the Australian Centre on China and the World. Our editing is by Andy Hazel, background research by Wing Kuang, our music is by Susie Wilkins, and our cartoons and gifts are courtesy of Seb Danta. Bye for now.